the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Prophet Jeremiah went his way. That's what you call shaking the dust off your feet. He's declared the truth. This guy wants to argue, and he just leaves. Right? That's what you do. Jesus said, if someone doesn't receive you and receive the word that you're declaring, the gospel, shake the dust off your feet and move on to someone who does. And that's what Jeremiah does here. Don't don't waste your time arguing with someone who doesn't want to hear it, doesn't want to receive it. Just move on. Go your way like Jeremiah. Are you one of those people who likes to debate and argue? Maybe you get a certain kind of high from being right, or maybe you just like to frustrate and anger others. No matter the reason, Pastor Dan warns us today how futile arguing can be. The Bible says that if you know you can't change someone's mind, if you know there's no understanding, it's better to just walk away. There's no point in talking to someone when they refuse to listen. Use discernment. If God is leading you, He will open the door. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 28, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Also I spoke to the priest and to all this people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Do not listen to the words of your prophets who prophesied to you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. Now, as I've mentioned in a previous study, the Babylonians invaded the land of Judah three separate occasions. On their first invasion, they took some of the gold, some of the gold vessels from the temple and carried it away to Babylon. And that's what he's referring to here, these false prophets. Some of the false prophets were saying that God told them that the vessels would be brought back from Babylon and returned to Jerusalem shortly. Now, why are they saying this at this time? Well, we know historically, from other historical records outside of the Bible. In particular, there's something called the Babylonian Chronicles, which were tablets of stone that recorded the history of Babylon. We know from those tablets that at this same time, there's a revolt that breaks out in Babylon. The Babylonian people begin to revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. And they try to overthrow The king. And so Nebuchadnezzar has to suppress this revolt in his own country. And it seems that some of the people in Judah saw that revolt as a sign of the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. 
And they think this is it. That his reign is going to end. And once his reign ends, then all of the vessels from the temple will be returned to us. And it's not going to be long now. The problem is he's not overthrown. He's able to suppress the revolt and continue ruling. Jeremiah says they prophesy a lie to you. They're lying to you. Verse 17, he says, do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city, Jerusalem, be laid waste? Then he says in verse 18, but if they are prophets and if the word of Yahweh is with them, let them now make intercession to Yahweh of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord in the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem do not go to Babylon. He says here, hey, if they are prophets, let them pray that the remaining vessels in the temple and in the king's palace and in Jerusalem are not carried away to Babylon also. For thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars, the pillars of the temple, concerning the sea, concerning the carts, and concerning the remainder of the vessels that remain in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did not take when he carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim. Remember, Jeconiah was one of the kings, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Yes, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and Jerusalem, they shall be carried to Babylon. And there they shall be until the day that I visit them, says the Lord. Then I will bring them up and return them to this palace. The false prophets are saying, hey, the vessels that were taken, they're going to be returned to us in a short time. It's not going to be long now. We'll get all those vessels back as soon as Nebuchadnezzar's overthrown. It's all coming back to us. And Jeremiah says, no, in fact, the Babylonians are going to come again and they're going to take what's left and they're going to carry it all away to Babylon, and it's going to be in Babylon until after the captivity. And then, verse 22, it'll be brought back. So chapter 27, it ends here in verse 22 with a note of hope for the future. Even though it's all going to be carried away to Babylon, the Lord promises to bring all those vessels back and restore the temple. And this is going to be fulfilled after the captivity in Ezra chapter 1, verses 7 to 11. If you're taking notes, jot that down. Cyrus, the king of Persia, will give an order to return back to the land and to bring all of these vessels back. And so as God here is talking about this judgment that's going to come upon the land, he also has the promise of restoration. And we see here with God that he has this promise of a second chance. He's the God of the new beginning. That He forgives sins and He gives us a new start. Aren't you glad for that? That even though we can sin and we can mess things up in our own lives, God will bring restoration. He'll bring a new start for us, a new beginning for us. His mercies are new every morning. Now chapter 28 continues with the same theme as chapter 27. It says in verse 1, And it happened in that same year at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people. So this guy Hananiah confronts 
Jeremiah in the temple in front of everybody, just there in the temple courts. And we don't know anything about this guy, Hananiah, except what's mentioned here. This is the only place in the Old Testament that this guy's mentioned. So all we know about him is he's the son of Azor. Uh, He's from Gibeon. Gibeon was one of the cities of the priests, for the priests. And so he may have been a priest. This is where the priests live. We can't say that for sure. He's not really mentioned anywhere else in the Old Testament. This is all that is said about him. He confronts Jeremiah and the temple. Notice he says, he spoke to me in the house of the Lord. Verse 2 tells us what Hananiah said to Jeremiah. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Hananiah says, thus says Yahweh. (laughs) So he's in Jeremiah's face in front of everybody, the priests and the people, and says, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, says Yahweh, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Hananiah claims to speak for the Lord. And he says the exact opposite of Jeremiah. Now remember, Jeremiah is wearing this yoke. And he's wearing this yoke around town. He's there in the temple. He's got the yoke on. And Jeremiah is saying, you're supposed to submit to the yoke of Babylon. And Hananiah now comes along and says, actually, Jeremiah, you've got it all wrong. Really, what the Lord is saying through that yoke is that he's going to break the yoke of Babylon. Now, what does this show us? One of the things this shows us is just because someone says that they're speaking on behalf of the Lord doesn't mean they're really speaking on behalf of the Lord. Just because someone says, thus saith the Lord, or someone says, the Lord gave me a word, doesn't mean they're speaking for the Lord necessarily. You have to test it against the word of God. And sometimes uh, you have to wait and see if it comes to pass. Maybe they're speaking for the Lord. Maybe they're not. It'll be exciting if they are, but we're going to wait and see. And that's how you handle that kind of thing. When someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got a word for you. Well, praise the Lord. Let's see. Hananiah here, he puts a definite date on this. He said, in two years, all the vessels of the temple will be brought back from Babylon and all the people will be brought back that were carried away in that first deportation, including the former king, Jeconiah, who was carried away to Babylon in that first deportation. He's saying here, hey, God's going to break the yoke of Babylon. That's what that yoke means, Jeremiah. Thus saith the Lord. And Jeconiah is coming back. Now, turn back to chapter 22. This is what the Lord told Jeremiah to tell Jeconiah before he was carried away captive. In chapter 22, verse 26, this is what the Lord said to Jeconiah. So I will cast you out and your mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they desire to return, there they shall not return. Jeremiah said, Jeconiah will die in Babylon and he will never return to Judah. So now Hananiah, though, Hananiah contradicted Jeremiah. And you got both these guys saying they're speaking for the Lord. 
Again, it's a very confusing time spiritually in the nation. Both men claim to be prophets of God. Both claim to be speaking the word of God. Both guys are saying, thus saith the Lord. But their messages were in complete contradiction to each other. It's confusing. Not much unlike the times we live in. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. You've got people today, especially when it comes to moral issues in our culture, you've got people that claim to be speaking for the Lord, and you've got people like Jeremiah who are speaking the truth of God's word about these moral issues that our country is wrestling with. And then you've got other people that are also claiming to be speaking for the Lord that are completely contradicting what the Word of God says. And so you've got people in our culture that are declaring the truth, and you've got people in our culture that are declaring a lie, all in the name of God. That's why it's important to be Bereans, and to search the Scriptures for yourself, and to know what the Word of God says. So now... In verse 5, we see Jeremiah's response here. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. Again, this confrontation's in the temple. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen! The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Jeremiah says, Amen, man, so be it. I hope you're right. You say everybody's coming back in two years, all the vessels are coming back in two years. Amen. I sure hope that happens. Now he knows it's not going to happen. But he says, hey, praise the Lord if you're right. Would love for that to happen. That'd be awesome. You know, I I hold uh, what is called a pre-tribulation view of the rapture of the church. And what that means is I believe that the church will be raptured to heaven And then uh, the world will go into a seven-year tribulation period. And at the end of the seven years, I believe that Jesus Christ will literally physically come back to the earth and set up his kingdom on the earth and literally rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years in what's called the millennial kingdom. Because that's what I believe the Bible teaches. Now, when I go to Israel, there's a little restaurant in Jerusalem where you can sit on the rooftop of this restaurant And from that rooftop, you can see the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected. And you can see the Mount of Olives where he ascended to heaven and where the Bible says he's going to return one day and stand on the Mount of Olives at his return. And you can sit at this table and drink a Coca-Cola and look at all of these places while you're sitting there drinking a Coke. And I like to think when I sit there that if I'm wrong about my view of the rapture and the tribulation and those that think that Jesus is just going to come back and stand on the Mount of Olives. 
I'd love for it to be while I'm sitting there drinking a Coca-Cola. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but if it's going to happen, this would be a great time for it to happen. While I'm sitting here with this great mezzanine view deck, you know, view of the whole thing here. And that's, that's kind of what Jeremiah says here. Hey, amen, man. You think it's all going to come back in two years? That would be great. But he knows it's not going to happen. And watch what he says in verse 7. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. Prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. And I want you to note here what Jeremiah does because he's got someone now that is also claiming to be speaking the word of God who is contradicting what Jeremiah is saying. And I want you to see here what Jeremiah does. Jeremiah said, all the prophets that came before you and me, they all prophesied of war, disaster, and pestilence. All of the prophets that came before us, they all agreed with Jeremiah and not Hananiah. And this is a, this is a very good model for us to follow. Go back and search the Scriptures. When you're confronted with something, Go back and search the Scriptures. See what the testimony of Scripture is on the matter. What does the Bible say? Is there a theme? Is there a thread? Is there a precedence? Is there a pattern throughout Scriptures that you can point to and you can say, well, this is what Scripture has always said. I see this thread all through the Old Testament into the New Testament. I see it in the Gospels. I see it in Acts. I see it in the Epistles. Therefore, this is my conclusion. And he's basing his argument on the testimony of Scripture. Not on the testimony of his feelings. Not on the testimony that he hopes happens. He hopes that Hananiah is right. Hey, two years? Amen. So be it. But he knows what the Scriptures say. And the Scripture consistently says there's going to be war, there's going to be disaster, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be a judgment that comes. Then, look at verse 10 now. Oh, he goes, I'm sorry, I skipped verse 9. And for the prophet prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophets comes to pass, that prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. Hey, you're saying there's going to be peace? Uh, When that happens, then we'll know you're a prophet. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off of the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. Very dramatic. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. So he does this very dramatic, symbolic action, taking the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck. It's made out of wood. He breaks it, and then He makes this declaration once again, two full years, everything's going to be brought back. God's going to break the yoke of the Babylonians. Now look at how Jeremiah responds. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. That's what you call shaking the dust off your feet. He's declared the truth. This guy wants to argue and he just leaves. Right? That's what you do. Jesus said, if someone doesn't receive you and receive the word that you're declaring, the gospel, shake the dust off your feet and move on to someone who does. And that's what Jeremiah does here. 
Don't, don't waste your time arguing with someone who doesn't want to hear it, doesn't want to receive it. Just move on. And go your way like Jeremiah. Now, between verse 11 and verse 12, some time elapses. We don't know how much time. But there's some time that passes here. And the word of the Lord came again to Jeremiah after Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, You have broken the yokes of wood, but you have made in their place yokes of iron that you can't break. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. They're not going to get out of it, in other words. It's a yoke of iron. And they shall serve him. I have given him the beasts of the field also. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. (laughs) By the way, the text never says that the word of the Lord came to Hananiah. It always says the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, but not Hananiah. And he tells him, the Lord has not sent you. You make this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. Now, in verses 15 and 16, there's actually kind of a a play on words in the Hebrew when he says, the Lord has not sent you to the people. Then he says, now he is sending you off the face of the earth. It's a play on words. He hasn't sent you. Now he's sending you. God is sending you now off the face of the earth. You're going to die. Why? Because you've taught rebellion against the Lord. You've taught the people to rebel against his word. You've taught the people to trust a lie. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. So God struck down Hananiah for lying to the people, for making the people trust in a lie, and for teaching the people to rebel against the Lord. Very, very startling event that happens here. God strikes him dead. Uh, Similar to uh, the New Testament, Acts chapter 5, where you have Ananias and Sapphira who lie about how much money they received for selling their land and what they gave to the church, and God struck them down. And the reason God struck Ananias and Sapphira down is the same reason he strikes down Hananiah here. It's, it's to strike fear in the people. It's to awaken their hearts to the reality of what they're doing. It's to shake them awake. The startling thing that happens. But the people of Judah were not awakened by this. They believed Hananiah. They didn't believe Jeremiah, and and when this judgment comes down on Hananiah, you'd think that that would be what wakes people up, but it doesn't. It's not enough to startle them awake, to turn them back to God. You know, God's way may not seem logical to us. It may look difficult. It may be the unpopular view, but it's always the better way to go. It's always better than doing what seems right in our own eyes doing what's right in God's eyes.
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Dan, we invite you to visit our website, calvaryec.com. There you'll have access to our library of previous messages available to listen to online or download to take with you on the go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Each time we post a new teaching, you'll get a notification and be able to listen right away. We're so blessed to be able to provide you with insightful messages taken straight from the pages of God's Word. We pray you've been encouraged today by what you've heard. We'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us as we continue to build this ministry. God is using programs like Ring of Truth to share the message of the gospel through a virtual mission field. Now, more than ever, people are being reached through radio and online teachings. We're so glad we could be a part of it and we're eager to see where God will take us next. Would you join us in seeking God's will for this ministry? We'd also ask that you keep our listeners in your prayers, that they'll be open to how God is speaking to them. We know God listens to the prayers of His people, and we appreciate you partnering with us in this way. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to take the things you're learning in this study and apply them in your daily life. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will continue teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice, and it only takes Rings true.